today we are starting a new series um, called Recover. And we, oh, by the way, my name is Reagan Gillen. <laughs> Hi. And uh, I'm very, very excited about this series. And we are kind of basing it on the 12 steps, which immediately some of you may think, well, this doesn't apply to me. I, I don't have an addiction. I've never been through a recovery group or anything. But I can tell you, um, as I've been studying and, and talking with the members and, and reading, that this stuff can really change your life, no matter where you are. Um, I'm going to steal from Scott's sermon from 815 that um, we all need recovery from something, okay? It's not a question if you, it's what exactly it is. And so, um, so I pray that you would stick with us over the next seven weeks because I really, really do believe it can be really um, transformational for you as we dive into this. Um, and I'm thankful for this church that they have uplifted and not hidden um, those that have struggled with addiction from the very, very beginning, our founding pastor. Um, had such a heart for alcoholics, and now we have one of the biggest 12-step ministries um, in the world. And our building um, across the street, we have almost 900, almost 1,000 people come through it every week. And I'm so excited they're going to get a new building, and it's going to be bigger and better, and more people are going to be able to be healed and transformed. And so I'm so thankful for this church that they uplift it. And I also want to say a shout-out that I'm thankful to Don Anderson, one of our newest pastors who has brought Celebrate Recovery, uh, which is another uh, recovery group that's Tuesday night, and they deal with all kinds of things, whether it's um, grief or anger or selfishness or a workaholic or anything that you feel like you need recovery from. And so I hope that you will hear um, that this really is for everyone. So um, I'm going to start us off um, by saying uh, I, I've been reading this book by Richard Rohr. If you've read Richard Rohr, he's incredible. And he has this book that he takes the spirituality of the 12 steps. And I want to read you a couple quotes and why it really convicted me and said, oh, my gosh, this is everyone needs to hear this. So I want you to hear this quote from Richard Rohr. We are spiritually powerless, however, and not just those physically addicted to a substance. The rest of us disguise it in different ways and overcompensate for our more hidden and subtle addictions and attachments, especially our addiction to our way of thinking. We really are our worst enemies. Humans would sooner die than change or admit that they are mistaken. The ego will go very far to promote and protect itself. I read that and I thought, he's absolutely right. <laughs> that was all of us. And as I continued to read, then there was this really, really convicting um, quote that actually Scott used in his sermon too, which was funny that we didn't discuss it and we had the same one, but listen to this. Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people. Usually. I love that keyword. Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people until you get to any real issues of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, and security. Then they tend to be pretty much like everybody else. You agree with that? Yeah. It didn't feel good to read that <laughs> and know that, but I needed to hear that. So I don't know about you, but I do know, for me personally, I need recovery from so many things, and often it's from myself. And it's usually not this one-time fix. It's not this, I'm going to do this one thing, and then I'm good. It's a lifetime of giving myself over to something or to someone to help me get to the best person, to be able to live into that person that God created me to be. And it is 
a struggle, absolutely. Some days are harder than others, and some days I feel like I'm doing really, really well. And so I wanted to read a scripture today that I absolutely love that is from Paul, which doesn't always happen. <laughs> and it's from Romans 7, verses 18 through 25, which says this. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right and inevitably do what is wrong, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Do these verses resonate with you at all? I know they do for me. I read that and I'm like, yeah. Some days I'm cruising along and I'm thinking, man, I'm doing really good. And then all of a sudden I make a really stupid decision, which I know stupid is not a nice word. We're trying to teach Andy not to say stupid. So in the, the Gilliland household, we say you're a doodle. So when you're a doodle and you make a poor decision, um, you know, it doesn't feel good. But then there's times that I'm very, very aware of what I'm doing. Like when Scott and I are in a fight, I'm very aware that I can be very passive aggressive. I'm very good at it. And often I can be very, very mean. That's one thing that my counselor and I are working on. And so there's these times where it kind of catches you by surprise when you do things like, I don't want to do that. And then sometimes you're like, oh, I absolutely don't want to do it, but I'm still going to do it. Either way, it doesn't feel good, right? And maybe it's really simple things like, man, I can't believe I ate so many fun-sized candy bars from my child's Easter basket. You're like, somehow I just ate three full-sized candy bars, but tricked myself into thinking, oh, it's just a fun-sized bar. We've all been there. Or how did I spend $150 at Target? Well, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's like the cover charge. Um, and then, yes, I know, Andy will never go to college because I spend it every, at the dollar bin. Um, or then there's, gosh, I can't believe I said that word again. I, I told myself I wasn't going to let that word slip out. And sure enough, you say something that you said, I don't want to say that anymore, and you say it. Or it's, I can't believe I lied again. I can't. Gosh, I can't believe I looked at that person and I lied straight to their face. I can't believe I did it. Or maybe it gets a little bit more serious. I can't, I can't believe I lost my temper again. I saw the fear and the, and, and the worry in my spouse or my children's eyes or my coworker and thought, I can't believe I just lost my temper again. Or maybe I can't believe I, I cheated on a test. I can't believe... I took credit for someone else's work. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I looked at that site again. I told myself I wasn't going to open up my computer and look at that thing. I did it again. 
Or maybe it is something like, I can't believe I drank again, or I drank that much. I can't believe I did it again. See, I love this scripture because there's, there's something different about the way Paul phrases it. He knows exactly what it is to be human, what it means to struggle, to really um, be at war at yourself, like it says, to sometimes backtrack, to mess up. Even if you love Jesus with all your heart and you're coming to church and you're praying and you're reading the Bible, you still mess up. You still struggle. And I love this scripture because I'm like, thank gosh, yeah, maybe I'm not alone. That maybe there's not something wrong with me. That there is this weakness in me. Even though I have the strength of Christ, there still is this weakness in me. That maybe I am powerless, which is the first step. Is admitting that you are powerless over something. For alcoholics, it's powerless over alcohol. But you fill in the blank. I am powerless over this. And I know all of us could fill in that blank. You could declare a weakness, a struggle, a stumbling block, or maybe you, you do call it your sin, which we're not always comfortable saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a sinner. I do this. That is my sin. But maybe we have to get comfortable with that. And so we will continue to do the wrong thing. We will continue um, to do the thing that limits us, that hurts us, to, that hurts others over and over again until we admit that we're weak and that we're powerless. Richard Rohr says again, the ego hates more than anything to change. To admit a wrongdoing, we love to self-preserve, no matter the cost. So one of my favorite scenes, and I think I've talked about this in a sermon before, um, that I feel like relates to this, that really shows the human condition and how much of a doodle we can be, is an elf. So you know that scene, an elf, when he is going through the revolving door? Just having the time of his life, going through it, going through it, and then what does he do? He goes out to the street, to the trash can, and what does he do? Yeah, he Ralph throws up, yeah. But then what does he do? He goes right back in and keeps doing it. Just having the, and I'm like, who would do that? Who likes throwing up? That's like the worst feeling in the world. But I feel like that's what we do as humans. Like we know that things aren't good for us. They make us sick. They hurt us. They hurt others. And then we get back in. Because we're powerless. We have this weakness. We don't know how to get out of this, this cycle. And so I think the first thing we have to do as people is, is be comfortable saying, I am weak. And in a society that lifts up, you've got to be strong. You've got to be resilient. You don't depend on anyone else. I mean, that is hurting us so much. Because we're not allowing ourselves to reach out to people, to admit that we're stumbling, that we are that we're dying, that we're struggling. And so we have to be comfortable saying that we're weak. Students, please hear this. If you can get comfortable saying that you're weak, you will be so much more fun to work with someday. (laughs) So much more fun. (laughs) You'll be a better spouse. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better just friend. You'll be overall just a better person when you say you're not trying to overcompensate or be someone that you're not, that you're very comfortable with every part of who you are, even those parts that you're like, oh, that's not my greatest thing. Be comfortable in that. We need authentic people in the world, okay? I do think it's funny that uh, we teach, you know, Jesus loves me, and it says they are weak, but he is strong, but we can't accept that we're weak. 
We forget that that song is for all of us, not just for children, that we are weak, and yes, he is strong. And so I hope we can get rid of this mentality of, now I've got this, I'm good, I'm good at everything, I don't have anything to hide, I hope we can get over that. Because we will never recover from anything if we keep lying to ourselves, if we keep hitting, hiding things, or if we don't ever admit that we're powerless. And yes, you're going to fail at things, but you're not a failure. Yes, you're going to fail at things, but you're not a failure. An important thing um, through this, this sense of recovery or we're getting to that point of where you're thinking, I'm powerless, um, is knowing that you're going to mess up. Students, I'm going to talk to you guys again, that you're going to royally mess up someday. Royally. Because we all have. Let's all raise our hands. Let's shout it out. What have you done? Just kidding. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> But there's going to be a time where you're going to royally mess up. Or maybe there's going to be a season where you make a lot of bad decisions. We've all been there. But here's the thing I really want you to guys to know. Is that even if it's been kind of a long season, that isn't your time to throw up your hands and say, well, I guess this is just who I am. This is who I'm stuck being. This is going to define me forever. This is the path that I'm always going to be on. No, that's, that's not the time. I hope you never determine who you are as a person based on your worst moment. Because if we all base ourselves on our worst moment, how would you feel? So students, one thing I want you to really hear is that there's um, so much that you can recover from. But you have to first admit that you need help and that you're powerless. Some of you, I think we have a picture. I think I submitted one picture. Maybe. You may get a bad tattoo someday. Students, you may get a bad tattoo someday. Luckily, there's surgery now. There's things, but um, but you're going to make a lot of bad decisions, but you can recover even from a bad tattoo, okay? But I want you to be comfortable saying, I need help. I can start again. And so the next step is, is believing in a higher power. But before I get into that, I do want to say, um, this isn't a sermon to say, if you just believe in Christ, then you're going to be good. Everything's solved. You'll never struggle with anything. Um, and if you are, then you're, clearly you're not actually believing in, in Christ. That's not what we're saying. Um, one thing we also want to be at this church is authentic in knowing that there's so many different things that, um, that give us the tools to, to heal and to recover. Yes, God is a really important factor of that. But first, just admitting to someone you need help. Going to a counselor. Um, getting on medication, all kinds of different things. We have to be able to know that there's something other than ourselves, something that is higher, something above us that can help us. But I do know that in the big book that they call Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about how having a spiritual awakening, a spiritual part of recovery can be a game changer. And I believe that. I think all of us are here at church because we do believe in God's power. We believe in what God can do. We've seen it. We know it. And when I read scripture and I see Christ who was so burdened by us who came down to live among us and always found himself with the people that were hurting the most, that were struggling the most, he was, his heart was broken for them. And he wanted to come and give them freedom. He wanted to help heal them. And so he talked with them and he, he told them 
um, that he was going to be with them and that they, he wanted an, a life for them that had freedom and had this abundant sort of life. He didn't want them to live with sin and struggle and hurt and pain. We're still in this Easter season realizing that Christ went to the cross to accomplish what we could not do on our own. That Christ went to the cross to say, look, I don't want you to have this burden anymore. I don't want you to have to deal with this. I want to take as much away from you as possible. I want to do all that I can to show you that I love you and that I'm with you and I don't want you to suffer. Let me suffer for you. And so I think recovery reminds me that we have to give something over and often that means letting God step in and have some sort of word with us, have some power And so my question for you today is how can you let God into that space of hurt where you're struggling, of that wreckage, of that sin, whatever it is, how can you give that over to him today in order to get a little closer to recovering from something? Another quote in Alcoholics Anonymous book I love, and they deal with this whole chapter with um, agnostics and how agnostics go through it knowing that there's this word power And I love what they say. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. Now, we're just getting started with this series so there's a lot more I could say, but this is where we're going to kind of end today. I really, again, I really hope that you stay with us over the next seven weeks. Because I want um, healing for you, but the person that wants healing and recovery for you more than anyone else is God. And I hope you can come and, and be real and be authentic and maybe start to have the hard conversation with people that you love and people that you trust and say, you know, I am really struggling with this. I do want to change. And I pray that you know this church family is with you and that we will walk with you through whatever you're going through. And so today I'm going to close with a prayer that I found that I think kind of speaks to where we kind of need to be. And so would you pray with me? How often when weary do we sigh, the spirit is willing but the body is weak. How often when in prayer are thoughts distracted by sounds or circumstance or prayers diverted by trivial concerns, baggage carried with us rather than left at your feet. How often do we find ourselves apologizing to you for our abbreviated prayer life and yet you draw us still to be in your presence as you did the disciples at Gethsemane. You want us to share in your life to play our part. You told your disciples to watch and pray so that they may not fall into temptation. Do you ask the same of us? And do we also fail you each time we whisper, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Grant us the strength, Lord, of body and of spirit to offer you the sacrifice of our lives. Amen.